Hey everybody, it's Mario here, host, or one half of the host of the Peaky Pod, alongside... The other half of your host, Zachary. Welcome. Hey, well, thanks for listening to this episode. This is the first time we actually do a pre-roll ad, and you'll probably hear it one more time at the end. But we'd just like to announce an upcoming show that we are planning called the Story Archive Show. We plan on that being our kind of hub for doing one-off uh, reviews of movies and maybe specific episodes of TV shows that are on our gauntlet or thanos gauntlet of Mm -hmm. the greatest tv shows ever and uh we want to invite you to subscribe we're going to put the links in there but if you don't want to go to the show notes just type in spotify or apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts the story archive show and we should pop up so please subscribe follow us and uh let us know how you're liking the peaky pod we hope you enjoy this episode and take care thank you Welcome back to another episode of the Peaky Pod by Story Archives. I'm your host, Mario, alongside... Zachary, welcome back. Hey, all How you doing? We are here with the premiere of Season 3, Episode 1. Is it 1922 already in the show? Yeah. Yeah, I had a little bit of a note about that because, you know, we end Season 2 and Tommy is saying... He's going to get married, right? And uh-huh. it's kind of weird to wait two years to get married, especially somebody who is rich like Tommy. You figure he could get married at any point. So I, I was thinking maybe the writers needed to push the f- story forward a bit to hit a certain historical timeline that they're trying to be on. Mm-hmm. I think that's... Uh, what do you think about that theory? I think it's possible. Um, but I also think it it opens up the ability for them to manipulate the storyline and... In, in easier ways, right? Like if this happened the next month, if there were significant changes that occurred between the season, it's kind of hard to uh, to just tell that away, right? Like it, it you got to have that gap. So there, there's some time where, yeah, you know, they, they could have gotten a bigger office and expanded. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Like yeah. show some progression with the company considering yeah. last time we saw the Peaky Blinders, they had just taken control of Sabini's tracks. Mm-hmm. Tommy now has a import export license from the Crown, and um, yeah, those are the two major developments in terms of of their business operations. So both their, I guess you'd say their underbelly and their legal facing, legal front facing business are all going up. Yeah, in terms of prospects, I love a good wedding episode in a TV show. I love a good Christmas episode. Um, I love anything that has like the whole cast and crew and it's festive and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I don't remember how, I didn't remember how great this episode was of the, of Tommy's wedding. Yeah. And, uh, you can tell like how much it's Tommy's show. Cause we don't say Tommy and Grace's wedding, but yeah, Tommy and Grace's wedding. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, uh, everybody gets their shine. I was telling you a little bit of this on the phone yesterday. Yeah. Every single character, I think that's one of my complaints. If I had any complaint about the show, it's that really three characters get the most shine. It's Tommy, Arthur, and Polly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you don't get a lot of character development with John Boy or Finn or Ada. Or I mean, I guess Ada gets a little bit, but it's with limited screen time. Yeah. But this episode, everybody gets a bit of gets the pie. Everybody gets a moment to... Um, to kind of have like their little, their scene or their whatever. Even like the minor characters like Johnny Dogs and Jeremiah and Charlie mm-hmm. and Isaiah. Everybody gets a moment in this episode as part of the Shelby family. Um, also learned in this wedding that Tommy's middle name is Michael. I actually did not know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I feel like I did know that, but it was like one of those things that I just put in the Peaky Blinders SpongeBob archive of my brain. <laughs> um, I think... You know, is there a possibility that because Tommy's significantly older than Michael, I would say by what, yeah, uh, ten years maybe or seven years at least. Um, yeah, I would say about ten, fifteen years. So that means like Polly was raising Tommy before she had Michael, maybe. 
I mean, definitely, because you you have Tommy Arthur and John Boy, all who remembered Michael as a as a baby or two year old or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she was she was definitely present with uh, with Tommy before then. So maybe she had a particular soft spot for Tommy to name her name her child the middle name of Tommy's mm-hmm. and vice versa. Maybe Tommy sees a bit of himself in Michael because his own middle name, he shares it with him. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a certain way of looking at names. I think we kind of cheapen names in society, but uh, names, you know, in the Bible particularly have a, have a meaning like your name matters, so to speak. So like if you, if you look at Jesus and the gospels and then you look at Joshua you know, Yeshua, they have the same name. And so there's like a lot of symbolism, you know, where Joshua is leading his people into the promised land mm-hmm. and you have Jesus leading his people into the promised land. They, they, those, those, those are, it's not mistaken. It's not like a mistake to the, why their two names are the same or jo, the two Josephs, like the two Marys. There's always like a juxtaposition between same names. So uh, I think it's also, you can see that as a theme in storytelling. If characters share a name, if it's a good story, they should have some sort of um, mirror effect almost, or like just mm-hmm. something that brings those two together in some ways. And I do think this episode is the first time you saw potential with Michael last season, but you didn't see Michael step up in place of Tommy, you know, or yeah. like as somebody who could be a potential leader inside the Peaky Blinders organization. Yeah. And you see that in this episode. He has he has some badass moments in this episode uh, where. With Lizzie in particular, he steals that scene. And then with uh, the girl who wants to play in the snow, he steals that scene. So, uh, what were your first impressions seeing the the wedding? You see, like, the wild side of the gypsies, and then you see the posh, oh, snobby just, side of the Calvary. Yeah, it's just hilarious to see the contrast between, you know, both sides of the aisle. Uh, one, one side is just so clean and, and professional looking, while the other ones, you know, they live in caravans. Yeah. And <laughs> so, interesting enough... I figure season three is when Peaky Blinders starts to pick up in popularity. I would have to back that up by looking up like what were the numbers and that stuff like that, but I could give a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you do see a big actor who makes an appearance here and he, he's known if you if you watch films and you watch uh, mainly films, he's, he's in Shutter Island. Uh, he's in Watchmen. He plays a character named Rorschach. Uh, I think he also reprised uh, the role of Freddy Krueger. Um, cause he, damn it. He looks like Freddy Krueger. No offense, but that is an offense. Uh, like he just kind of looks like Freddy Krueger <laughs> and it's the Russian refugee who is a, somebody who's, who was supposed to make contact with Tommy. Cause apparently Tommy's gotten himself into not only the biggest mansion I've ever seen, uh, besides the I Biltmore, I did go to North Carolina in January <laughs> and the Biltmore, you know, absolutely shits on this one. But, uh, but you know, Tommy's stepping up the color palette of the show is also getting moodier and colder. Yeah. Purposeful. Notice that, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the, didn't the but director the, change in this one compared it, to the, the first two as well? Is this the first season that we get? Um, who's the new director? Who's the like the the main guy now? I'm blanking on his name. I follow him on Instagram. Uh, Peaky Blinders. Yeah, uh, Anthony Burns. Is he, did Anthony Burns start? in season three because it's this totally feels like his style no he only worked on five and six i think it was one um uh one director in seasons one and two i want to say it was a different one in three and four so he got in there five and six uh-huh okay where was it we we're talking about anthony byrne and yeah. the styles of of this season how it's changed it's gotten darker moodier definitely the production quality's up and Without having seen the rest of the season or remembering what happens in each episode, mm-hmm. it seems like episode one is probably the biggest budget of the entire season already. I did get that feeling from this. I mean, there is there really is a lot going on in here. There's a lot of people in this episode, <laughs> a lot of actors in this episode, mm-hmm. or stand-ins. There's a lot of wardrobe, a lot of set pieces in this episode. I mean, we have a new mansion. Yeah, I mean, we I, we can't really recall Tommy's house period before this season because he's always either at Ada's. He's like he's literally a gypsy. He's always moving around. You know, he's mm-hmm. just always kind of. Uh, he, I know he has a flat. We see his flat in season one, but it's nothing spectacular. You know, 
the most yeah. spectacular thing about that Tommy owns last season is the garrison in his office, but it's not his, uh, you know, it's not his house or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Now, um, there's a lot going on. Uh, the, the kids choir intro at the wedding uh, it's kind of like inspirational for our intro song. It's like the same <laughs> version. It's not. I don't think we have. Well, ours is not no, kids. Ours are ours is an adult is not choir. Kids, they're adults. But, but it it's is, the same it style. It's yeah. the same style of of our intro song, which uh, which is one of the nicest re- <clears throat> renditions of the in the bleak midwinter hymn or whatever that song is. I, I think so. It, it it's got to have that quiet choir esque sound. It's great. Yeah, I have um. I had a couple of notes here just from the wedding. You have Grace wearing purple. Were you able to dig anything up on that in terms of I meanings? I it up. Why purple? No, I wasn't able to really find anything. I mean, if you look at what, what purple was used as in the past, it was a color for royalty. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know why she was, she was wearing it. I don't think she would be considered royalty of any kind although i'm assuming her father in the i guess in the calvary is or it wasn't her father her father died yeah well i have a question i mean it's been two years they have a kid so we we know we left off last season where she was pregnant so that's you know obviously nine months Mm -hmm. they had the kid and then they waited a year and a half and we find out why later in the episode uh that (laughs) Grace's husband killed her, killed himself, which I didn't know that they were married. I thought that it was. See, I, I thought they were married. I thought the they were. Season. I thought they were engaged. I don't know. I, I feel like they were. They were married or something. Did they allude? Does Tommy allude with Arthur? I know we're going out of order, but this is a recap episode, so we can kind of jump around here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, did are they alluding that maybe the Peaky Blinders killed Grace's husband? I didn't I Google so. verify that, but, you know, the moment Tommy says that to Arthur, that, hey, you know, most people don't know that Grace's husband killed himself. They think it was an accident. But then Arthur I, says, you think I'm an idiot, Tom? <laughs> so that was like, why would he say that line right after that? I don't think Tommy would go so far as to kill Grace's husband. I just don't see it. I don't think so either. I, I, it just doesn't make sense. It's too dark. You already took it's, his girl. It's too big of like a plot line or, or, you know, you know, a plot piece for that to... To gloss that over as like, yeah. it would almost be d- darkly, it's a, it's too dark. You know what I mean? It is. It's too it dark. It's too, dark. It's, it's too dark, dark for the character. Peaky Blinders. Yeah. yeah, it's too dark for the character of, of them, at least. Now, um, it seems the Peakies generally have gotten into cocaine because there's girls just loudly asking oh. for cocaine at the parties. Hold on. So she was wearing lilac, a lilac wedding dress to show she's in mourning. There we go. See, everything has a has a purpose. I didn't know that at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that at all. But it totally makes sense, and it's uh, it's almost fitting. It's almost like Tommy can't have his cake and eat it too. Like it has to be yeah. almost like a bittersweet moment, you know. And that's not any way anybody wants to get married, you know. On yeah. the on the on the heels of your previous lover killing themselves, like Jesus. I mean, this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, just a little bit, you know, just a little bit. But um, you got girls asking for to play in the snow. I guess I mean we saw Arthur with cocaine last season, but we didn't see the wide adoption of coke in Peaky Blinders. No, so are, are they se- are they selling first. this stuff already? Probably. I mean, I'm sure it was already available. It's just it wasn't their their choice of drug, right? I remember That's, uh, as whiskey. If you've ever seen The Godfather, which I don't think you have, have you? Yeah, I've seen all of them. Seen The Godfather. Godfather. Okay. Um, Dom Vito doesn't want to get into selling drugs. That's like one of the things that he does not want to do. It like breaks a code. He doesn't want to break. Mm-hmm. Uh, they eventually end up, I think, getting into it later, but. Um, I, you know, you watch a show like Peaky Blinders, and I think every every gang show is always measured up against The Godfather, in a way. Yeah. Like in this strange way, because that's the only one that really you felt that there there was some sort of moral code in the Corleone family as you're mm-hmm. watching it. And in the Peaky Blinders, you, it's like it's naive to say that in a way because you know they're doing despicable stuff behind the scenes. It's just not the stuff they put on camera. 
You know, it's not the stuff that they put in the story, right? You know, yeah. they're, you know, they're beating up some poor family for rent money. You know, like they're they're doing something. You know, uh-huh. they're they're blackmailing somebody. Like they're doing bad stuff. You know, it's yeah. just uh, we're only seeing them in their in their ra- in their better their their glossier moments, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, I'd I know love to know all the, all the all the bad stuff that's going on. <laughs> we would we would hate the. Characters. I don't. Yeah, you'd probably hate the characters because, like, think about the show Ozarks. I don't know if you've watched that. I haven't uh, seen the last season, so don't give me any. I'm not going to spoil anything, but they do just like if you watch any season, they go off so into the deep end that it's like they're they're hard to root for. Yeah. Uh, at certain points, because they're just so selfish, you know. What Tommy has going for him is that he does love his family. Like he does truly try to take care of the people around him, even though he is a um, authoritarian type, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of how he, he manages his affairs. Um, I know it, Tommy in the beginning when he have, he's in the mansion, he's in his office and he's just sitting there head down, smoking a cigarette, drinking, is one of the most relatable things ever. If you've ever had like a big party that you've organized and you got a bunch of people in the house and you just need to get away and just like, just get away for a moment from everything. <laughs> <laughs> it brought me back to my my college party days of organizing a, a huge party and making sure the house didn't get destroyed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <but laughs> making sure like my friend's house who was, uh, they would give to us uh, for a party that just wouldn't get absolutely demolished. And uh, you just got to get away for that breather every once in a while. And Tommy's do- doing the same thing because <laughs> after this scene, he gathers his men in the kitchen and he says... We get the no fighting scene. No yeah. fucking fighting. We get <laughs> all of it. Best. And, we, and we get a little bit of the whole group in there. You get Isaiah asking, you know, hey, Tom, what about uh, what about some cocaine? And then you got uh, Finn sucking petrol from cars, apparently. I don't know if he's, I think, is he doing that so they get stranded there? Or is that like a, is that a form of like getting high? I don't know. Is that I, I mean, I'm sure you could, you could like sniff the gasoline to get high. I'm, I, that's a thing. Jeez. For sure. I'm but sure in the backwoods uh, you could somewhere. also be siphoning it out to steal the, the gas. I don't know. <laughs> it's like of all the <laughs> things to do though. Yeah. Gee, of course it would be Finn who does it. But uh, you got, jo- um, I guess Johnny Dog's reading fortunes maybe and Charlie telling tall tales about Tommy. I mean, I'm always surprised when Charlie's involved in like the in the scoldings. Dude, I'm like, dude, you're an old man. Like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Aren't you supposed to be the father figure for Tommy? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Um, I always love in that scene that Arthur's just eating a carrot, and uh, <laughs> he's just eating like a random carrot. And when Tommy at the end pushes the waiter, he just throws the carrot at the waiter. <laughs> I always that's always like the little thing in the scene that is hilarious that he told it off yeah it's like a little cherry on top of that scene i could see that being an unplanned thing he just did it in the moment (laughs) i also love that like he says no fighting to john boy no fighting to arthur he looks at michael and he does like one he was about to say no fighting but then he saw it was michael and he's like he didn't have to say it to michael you know Mm -hmm. like hey you're not Mm -hmm. gonna put me in a situation where i have to scold you Mm -hmm. which is yeah, he's not that wild yeah which is just like it's not that he's just he's more like Tommy. He's not going to be causing a a ruckus, you know, in that sense. Arthur and John are, you know, willing to throw hands with anybody. Mm-hmm. But uh we all see the introduction of Linda. Linda, according yeah. to Arthur. Uh <laughs> who who seems like this kind of like puritan overly zealous type. Yeah. Like repulsively legalistic in a sense Mm -hmm. you know she's buttoned up she's saying everything contrary to what everybody else says to arthur you know arthur's supposed to give a speech he alludes to the suicide of grace's former husband and it's Mm -hmm. like goodness gracious you could tell it's coming from like a position of kind of holier than thou type of thing yeah that's the impression i got it's like she's the one who told him that was a good idea to bring up because she is the one like looking down on high, looking and saying like, oh, look at them getting married after this. Like it's kind of, you know, messed up or anything like that. Mm. That's what it felt like watching she this. Is, she is a very judgmental character. Are, is is Linda and Arthur together? They have or? to be together. I don't know if they're married though, because they haven't specified that yet. 
Because my I was wondering, I'm like, if this is the first episode that we see her and they're not together, I was thinking for a minute, is she related to Grace in some way or at least knows the family? They, I don't think that they mention how Linda came into the picture. I, I don't think so either. I don't ever recall hearing how that happened. And it's odd to imagine how those two cross paths. Mm-hmm. You know, unless Linda had like a more wild side to her and now she's recently, you know, gotten involved with the church and become more of a, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to say, I don't want to insult Puritans because if you're with, if you're with Arthur Shelby, you know, damn well, he's like killing people and doing this sort of thing. So like, what kind of self delusion are you living under? You know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that she's not, uh, she may love, she probably likes the lifestyle, right? She's like yeah. Carmela, Carmela Soprano. She likes the lifestyle, but she doesn't like how the lifestyle's earned. And so it's like this constant, you got to get out of that life. I'm like, well, if you get out of that life, you don't get to drive the Rolls Royce and you don't get to drive the, you don't get to hang out in the mansions and have the nice food and the champagne and all that. And how about then? You know, uh-huh. uh, Tommy and Grace, uh, Tommy's been acting up, acting weird. Um, he, I think he kind of lies to Grace here. He says he's concerned about Arthur's speech, but I think he's more concerned about the Russian business that is being alluded to. And um, I think it's kind of confirmed by the next scene because we see, the self-named Russian refugee making contact with Polly mm-hmm. and mentioning that Tommy has made business with Russia. Yeah, I, you know Tommy's always going to bite off more than he can chew. He always does. I mean, yeah. look at the last two seasons. It's a bit mm-hmm. of a big step. I mean, Billy Kimber, yeah, he wasn't the best villain but he was more but than but he was he more was than Tommy much, could yeah he was could much take on Tommy. Yeah. Tommy has been an underdog in every fight so far but we did end last season with a job that he needed to get done with Churchill mm. so i we do find out that this job is related to that so it doesn't seem it seems that Tommy mixes in his ambition as rewards for the risky missions that he takes on right yeah so the first one it was like a more I'm the outsider. I need to steal some weapons. I need to leverage their use, and I need to leverage my my gallantry in World War One. Remember, right. the stealing of the weapons was an accident. An accident that he leveraged for himself. He did leverage it, but it, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't. A but plan. he ultimately couldn't leverage it very much because Grace nope. uh, ruined that uh, by giving up the locations of it to Campbell. But yeah, he did. But he did lay the foundation by that little political battle with Campbell by leaking pretty much that he is a war hero and blah 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 and mm-hmm. using the fact that Campbell didn't serve against him and and Churchill being the type that he is knowing that sometimes you have to operate in the shadows in order to do like the greater good right mm-hmm. and you need somebody uh on the bottom while somebody's on the top similar to Tommy's enterprise has a criminal underlayer and you have the front facing legal business as well because exactly. he because he operates in import exports and they talk in this episode that he exports cars to the Americas Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently Tommy's been to New York as well because they mention um they mention a gift that he brought back from New York to give to somebody. I forgot who in the show uh we mentioned mm-hmm. that about. Um I have to mention a scene with Michael because it's definitely in my opinion his highlight of the episode, which is the scene with Lizzie. T- uh, Tommy's apparently given orders top down to stop fraternizing with foreigners. Obviously because he thinks his business has made it unsafe that there could be spies or people who have uh, ill intentions for those who work for his company. Yeah. And so Lizzie has uh, apparently taken to a, an Italian um, who is at his restaurant uh, lit on fire by the Peaky Blinders. But uh, she's probably being naive in terms of who this person is because uh, they mentioned that he had changed his name five or six times in the last few months. Hmm. So... He's obviously not who he says he is in terms of his connections to to uh, whoever he's in, in connection with, right? Yeah. Uh, but Michael owns the scene. It's Arthur and Michael, but it's Michael who very much has the Tommy moment, but almost pushing the point of too, of a little bit too arrogant in his power. Did you get that vibe too? I, I get that vibe a lot from Michael. Um, I, like he is somebody who is just like he got where he was going too quickly and he thinks he he's just such a big shot 
Yeah, it's almost like they've handed too much to him or Tommy's communicated too much about what his plans are for Michael. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, on to Arthur's best man speech. <laughs> Never have Arthur as your best man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was disappointed by this because I was actually hoping for an epic best man speech from Arthur, but it did underwhelm in every way. It was truly bad. Like, it wasn't like you overplayed bad it was just truly bad like stumbling on his words and mm-hmm. not talking like himself i feel like it, w- it would have just been plain old arthur like arthur in the arctic monkey scene coke. at the end of season two not even with cooks a little bit of liquor in him you know <laughs> just just arthur at the garrison it would have been a great speech mm-hmm. but this was like linda arthur and i think that's one of the negatives of this episode is that you start to see linda arthur emerge which yeah. is this which is this like conflicted man uh it's it's like the version of himself who tried to hang himself right yeah yeah i mean i was i was doing a little digging so i mean linda and met arthur sometime between last season and this season so they are together here um she's been trying to help him get off of his cocaine use Mm, and alcohol yeah because Tommy hands him a flask earlier in the episode. And Arthur also talks about that he's only had three shots and he's already drunk. <laughs> so, that didn't help. But, um, did that pick up? I had I got a text message come through, but I don't know if it picked up on the mic. I don't think so. All right. Sorry for the interruption, yeah. Forgot to put my do not disturbs on. Um, he, The thing about Linda that's concerning is that it's clearly a bad speech and she's there like brushing his face like this doting mother you know like the the like when your your kid does something bad but you're like not handling it the way you need to mm-hmm. and she's like no you did great you did great honey <laughs> no you didn't like it was awful it was it awful was good. What, what is that yeah. is that a dinosaur yeah but i gotta say silver lining when tommy's talking to arthur and confronts him about the speech and we find out for the first time that grace's husband had killed himself supposedly unless the peaky blinders were involved in some way i i don't think they were i don't think divorces were easy to get back then probably not like i don't i don't know what the repercussion would have been but she cheated on her husband got pregnant by another man i mean i i I think if uh you found out that that you were sterile and then your wife slept with somebody else while you were out there getting tested oh yeah i mentioned that like I how, how cruel that was like that's probably enough to kind of yeah that's getting into red flag to, territory yeah. to be honest with you like, getting into that is some red flag territory right there uh, i know but they're they're married now so i didn't want to like some history they have history together if they had no yeah. history it's it's complete red flag territory but yeah real <laughs> real classy move by grace burgess what's her name grace something burgess like mm. And, and who's like her that. family like it's such a random ass family like all of them are just cavalrymen. i i just didn't see grace having this huge family did you no me neither her her name was i think grace helen burgess mm. before obviously before uh she got married but as far as who her family is here i would assume these are all like distant cousins of her father and uncles and things like that but i mean it's a bunch of distant military relations yeah you know enough talk about linda arthur let's talk about gangster arthur all right the moment tommy talks about the russians making con contact it's awesome to see arthur like go from immediate drunk sorry for myself arthur to Uh business mode arthur and that he like disengages that mode quickly you know Mm -hmm. uh Going back to the kitchen scene of the no fighting, we start the episode with Tommy not wanting anybody to make a commotion. Mm -hmm. And uh, it changes to he wants everyone to make as big of a commotion as possible because he has to deal with the business of this Russian. Yeah. Um, Probably because he has, he's going to find out that the Russian is a, um, how do I, what's the word I'm looking for? A fake, a... uh, an, in, an infiltrator, uh, yeah, uh, an imposter. Okay, okay. an imposter Russian. So he, it. so he needs as much of a, a loud 
atmosphere as possible in case he has to do the dirty, you know? Now, I found that the episode, like, upon rewatching it, the episode unravels further and further and further. Like, we, it's like a descent into hell, the entire episode. It's just, it starts off in the church, and it's mm-hmm. a wedding, and it's cheery, and it just progressively goes further and further, and it gets out of control. And it goes yeah. completely out of control the moment Tommy asks for the ragtime from his band, uh, <laughs> which I found an interesting direction because... It's okay to have Arctic Monkeys and all this kind of stuff as your backing track and punk rock mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But it was weird Tommy cueing a brand new genre of music <laughs> from a live band yeah. in 1922. Like it, it was like almost like he was breaking the fourth wall and introducing us to it. Just a <laughs> punk rock. You know, here it is. He's from the future. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Ragtime. <laughs> you know, it's like... Uh, <laughs> I just found that one to be a little bit too much. I was like, I wonder if he cringed when he had to do that. Like, I would imagine. I mean, I I would. Yeah. I, I I I I'm okay with it being. I could you know, never see you as things, an actor. But, uh, you you would be so against saying half the sh- like. I'm yeah. not gonna say that line. I could never. Yeah. Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, Tommy does decide to make contact with him because I thought he said the right code name until he meets with Tatiana later mm-hmm. uh and he tells her he used the wrong name but he says constantine i would mm-hmm. imagine that if you're going to be an imposter that you would have the right code word you would you know think it's a big risk to take yeah i don't know i mean yeah i i wouldn't want to show up even if i wasn't an imposter and, and say the wrong name yeah well outside of the wedding um the distraction that was to be had was that they would start gambling racing horses and doing all sorts of things with um john boy leading the way and johnny dogs getting the horses ready and uh everyone's doing their own thing outside you have john boy john uh johnny dogs finn curly charlie uh dealing with the calvary men and creating a commotion inside you have michael uh, the most telling scene of Michael in the episode is to sit down with the girl who plays in the snow. Mm-hmm. And um, we see who Michael is in this scene, right? Yeah. I don't know if he's being sarcastic in half of his responses, but he talks about how he doesn't partake. And he says, that's the idea. And uh, he tells her, but you want me to be like them, don't you? It's almost like Michael is okay with being the front-facing legal side of the business, but at the same time, a little insecure that he's not seen as a one gangster, of, as a gangster, like as like his cousins, right? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean they're they're wild and strong, and he's just the the man in the suit running the uh, finances of the business. Which you could argue, you know, dealing with that makes you stronger right because you could care less what anybody says about you and that's like the the, the bigger strength but mm-hmm. he, he knows that what this girl is you know she wants to have a wild time she wants to have a wild time with gangsters which i'm bro you're going into the middle of the country to go to a wedding in a mansion full of gangsters <laughs> but just the promise of michael in this show so much that it's like you can't help but think his name is Michael. Of course, it, that co- comes back to the Godfather. Where you're like Michael, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. there's that bit there too. Uh, I just found it. He was definitely a a key, like one of the highlights of the episode for sure. Now I want to go back to what the, everybody's doing. I'm sorry to interrupt there, but I'm kind of going all over the place as I'm seeing on screen the Polly and Grace scene, which mm-hmm. which is a big one. Uh, Arthur is dealing with the Russian, uh, egging him on as in the same way that the Russian's egging him on. Obviously, as Tommy yeah. says earlier in the episode, Russians see family as weakness, so they try to use it against their enemies. But Tommy says, I see family as strength, you know, mm-hmm. which is part of the reason why we're rooting for Tommy. But the Russian obviously has intel because he hits John and Arthur in a soft spot saying, why does he trust his aunt more than his own brothers? Yeah. But Arthur knows... Seems like Arthur's keener to that kind of mental warfare than John is because he he hits him with he continues to call him a Turk over and over and over again, 
and he's like, I'm not sure I'm Russian. He's like, same shit, mate. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, it's just, he gets under his skin too, right? Yeah. Um, what did you think of the Pauly and Grace scene? Obviously, Pauly has not forgotten who Grace is in terms of uh, the spy that she was for Campbell. What do you think? Uh, is this a protective mother situation? I, yeah, that was what I was thinking. It, it, Polly's always overprotective of everybody. Tommy, uh, obviously Michael, of course. Um, but yeah, it was really just continuing to put her in her place. Because if I remember correctly from season one, right? Like after all of that went down, she didn't want her to be anywhere, anywhere around here anywhere around the family because she was kind of toxic um causing obviously causing issues i mean that's that's why the whole first season went to crap for tommy so i think it was just her being overprotective i remember paulie did take out like a silver needle out of her hair yeah she almost hold it against uh grace's uh <laughs> face or chin or eye i don't remember what it was something like that yeah all right <laughs> i'll cut you Let's talk about the Russian plot in a nutshell, because these are the things to me that get lost in Peaky Blinders, or is the political mm-hmm. intrigue side. So in history at this point, um, you're having the, the Russian royalists who have been pushed out of Russia by the Bolsheviks. And so what's happening here is that Churchill is the go-between between these royalists who are trying to fight against the Bolsheviks by funding them for weapons or something like that. So yeah. they're buying weapons in order to fight the Bolsheviks in Georgia. Uh, which Grace is using this plot in order to... It's a weird kind of cringy scene where she is like holding over Polly's head saying, I know as much as you do type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was cringy because she's like, we just came downstairs, we were having sex. It's like, <laughs> so cringe. Yep. So cringe. Anyways, uh, they take their first dance. They take some vows that we know Tommy has no <laughs> shot of keeping. Yeah. He promises no guns in the house. I can only imagine. That's already been broken tonight. (laughs) That that, that was literally broken in this episode. Mm -hmm. Charlie will never see a gun. If I had to take the over under odds on that, I'm taking it (laughs) every time. And then he says, I will make a safe to be determined. You got a Russian infiltrator in your house Mm -hmm. um, on your wedding day. I don't know. I don't know. It's not very safe, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not very safe at all. By the way, I do love the fact that Polly rubbed back in Grace's face saying, you know the business is happening though tonight, right? And she said, no, I didn't, but you just told me. <laughs> uh, it's like Grace got what she wanted, but at the same time, she, she also found out that away. she... Yeah, she also found out that she's not ever going to be trusted to the degree that Polly or... Mm-hmm. the brothers are because he's trying to protect her of course all right enter- it's this weird sort of pissing match between grace and polly that we get yeah enter stage right tatiana princess tatania whatever the hell her name is being brought in by sergeant moss in the middle of the night uh tommy is looks the most disturbed that i've probably ever seen him he looks like he has tears in his eyes and he's like offended he's kind of getting a little personal here uh, but I think he's just overall wary and paranoid of to who the hell these people are because he understands England, right? Mm-hmm. He, he understands Birmingham. He understands the politics of his own area. But I think you get the notion that he's over his head in this Russian business, right? I think so. I mean, the Russians are not people you want to get in bed with. Yeah. Well, she asked Tommy if he can kill. Stupid question. Uh it's like, who the hell does she think she, she is? Like, it's just kind of... Well, does, does she really know who the Peaky Blinders are at this point? I mean... No. She does bring $10,000 of cash, which um, I know you have a bad history on this show of what money is worth back in the day. <laughs> hey, listen. I, I pulled up the calculators. Not right now, but I've done it in the past. I'm just reading you what the calculators say. All right. Can you find out what $10,000 <laughs> in 1922 was worth? Sure. It was 10,000 pounds. 10,000 pounds. Just do dollars. Just keep it easier and just do an estimate. Um, when Tommy returns to the house while you're looking up those numbers, he does give the order to kill the Russian because he is a uh-huh. communist infiltrator, uh, which we see him 
immediately continuing his business of planting seeds of of um, sowing seeds of destruction by meeting with Ada and trying to figure out her relation to the Shelbys. You know, mm-hmm. um, you can see him f- trying to find weak points in the house. Yeah. I don't understand why Tommy's just allowing people not on the wedding list into his home. It's because he has business going on. I don't know. I mean, it's a party. He probably didn't really care that much then, especially if you're filthy rich. It's just, eh. I think that's the reason you would care. He, I mean, earlier in the episode, he says, tell, tell the Lee girls I've counted all the paintings in the house, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's concerned people are going to steal stuff from his house, but not concerned about random people. He's a man who has many enemies now. It's true. But this is a party. This is a time of peace. Yeah. No, um, not really. <laughs> no. Anyways, a hundred years later, after nineteen twenty two, ten thousand dollars US dollars would be worth a hundred and seventy two thousand dollars. I can't be right. I can't trust That's you right. with these numbers. Bro, it's inflation over a hundred years. Yeah. I was expecting more. A hundred and seventy two thousand eighty eight dollars and sixty nine cents is what ten thousand dollars was in 1922 damn we're never buying houses no (laughs) i know it's crazy (laughs) everyone felt anyone our age on this pod listening to this podcast felt that if you live in i mean i don't know where the hell you could live in you know maybe in rural arkansas you could buy a house but you ain't buying one in uh in miami i'll tell you that I'm just going to uh, pitch a tent in, like, the middle of Kansas or something. I mean, yeah. You know, I've been watching this show, 1883. I just finished it. And mm-hmm. back then, you could just stake your land. I mean, granted, you could have, like, Lakota Indians come in and, f- and shoot you with a poison arrow. But yeah. <laughs> but the land was yours. That's what matters, uh-huh. man. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the real value. You know, you go into that field and you just put the stake in there and that's it. It's yours, buddy. Uh, Arthur's conflicted more than I've ever seen him conflicted, but... Have we ever seen Arthur kill somebody that he wanted to kill on this show? Because uh, every time he's killing somebody, it's like a PTSD episode. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think he's... I don't think he likes to kill in general because it, it brings him back to his time in the war. Maybe I'm overestimating how much of these guys, like like the type of killers that they are. Maybe they're not the killers I think they are because... If we just take the show at their word of what we've seen on screen, mm-hmm. Tommy killed Billy Kimber. Polly yeah. ki- Polly killed Campbell. Yeah. Tommy killed uh, the guy for the IRA. Mm-hmm. Tommy, damn, Tommy's killed more people than everybody. Tommy yeah, killed. He's racking up a body count. Tommy killed the general or that war the war person that they wanted him to assassinate. Uh, that's yeah, three. That's yeah. that's three. I don't. Sabini didn't die in the last season. Yeah. No. I don't think Arthur's killed anybody except for that boy he was boxing. Yeah, and I mean that was. It was kind of accidental, but at the same time, it wasn't. It was just, he just lost it. Um. Interesting. So Polly has killed more people. Or the same amount of people as Arthur. At the moment, yeah, it seems that way. Interesting. Well, Tom, uh, he does get the short end of the stick on this night because Tommy uses his wedding as the getaway for, and I mean, understandable. It's your wedding mm-hmm. day. I don't want to kill somebody on my wedding day. Yeah. So Arthur's stuck with taking care. I like the way he says, the, like my favorite line of the episode. No, that's no, not my favorite of the episode. But <laughs> my favorite line is when the Russian asks him, can I use the lavatory? And he says, you can piss outside. By the st- <laughs> No, but the pause, you can piss outside by the stables. Uh-huh. I, the way he says that line is so good. It's like somebody <laughs> who's, whose eyes are, look, are looking at you, but they're like a thousand miles away. He's like, you can piss outside. By the staples. That's at that point the Russian knows he's they're gonna try to kill him, you know? Yeah. Which Arthur does with this nice shoulder uh straight to him as he going down the stairs, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wouldn't catch me walking ahead of Arthur Shelby on a staircase, that's for sure. No, no, you gotta you gotta be walking backwards if you're in yeah. front of him. We get a one of my favorite things, Peaky Blinders montage, uh here after Arthur um 
takes the Russian down to his execution. We get Tommy watching the men fight with the cavalry general mm -hmm. or the man who says they feel like generals. You get Michael having sex with the cocaine girl. You have Arthur trying to kill the Russian. And you got the music getting more wild because at this point we've had Tommy with the ragtime uh, cue. Yeah. And the party's just, it, the whole thing is just kind of getting more out of control. John Boy's fighting a cavalry man. Oh, no. I John Boy's fighting. him on accident. Yeah. Johnny, John Boy's fighting like a million people at once. Uh, I haven't. I don't think John Boy's gotten this much attention since he tried to marry Lizzie in an episode. I don't think so. No, he's kind of been a very silent um, person in season two. I think, honestly, I think, uh, who did he marry? Uh, Esme. Esme. Uh, Esme, I think, had more lines than, than uh, John Boy did in season, in season two. two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Gotta say, uh, Felt like Arthur had the advantage in this fight, but lost it very quickly. Yeah. The fight with the Russian, that is. We still don't know Maybe this Russian's name. He, I, you know, the Russian, when he when Arthur's about to shoot him, he says, for the love of God. It's almost like he's using that against Arthur too, right? Yeah. As a weak point. Well, I mean, uh, who knows how long they've been watching the Peaky Blinders at this point. It's, there's been a two-year gap since what went down in the uh, field in the last season and, and now. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you just always assume like the fighting is the Arthur strong suit, but the Russians giving him a hard time. When someone's fighting for their life, man, it's you know, not an easy fight. No, it's not. But Arthur does succeed. He's victorious. And Tommy looks on as the whole party in front of him is, causing the distraction he needs to kill the russian mm -hmm. hmm. i like that uh the shot of the mansion there it's it's a little creepy it's haunting right yeah but it's still, it's still such a nice house what do you feel about tommy's bed in the middle of the room i mean it makes sense right it's between two windows i've never seen it before but it's it's interesting i mean the room is massive so it's true is tommy making that much money like that kind of money with this stuff like, that's a large house like that's like the it's house a, of a of a royal i mean it's Lord. a large house but look at the house of um god i forgot her name the girl from last season that was training the horse yeah yeah she made carlton's house yeah may yeah that house is ridiculous that that one still puts this one to shame yeah you know it's a great scene where you see the Calvary's leaving and, and then right after that, you know, there's a body being taken away <laughs> on a cart. Yeah. Uh, we get a little bit of everything in this ending scene, but I wanted to mention something that was said in the scene where they're preparing the horse races and the gambling. Mm -hmm. um, first off, Tommy has a foundation uh, that he's using to kind of rehabilitate his image in the community. And... Uh, Charlie says, they're going to elect them Lord Mayor pretty soon. And John Boy says, that's the idea, Charlie. That's the idea. So it's a little Easter egg of the intentions of, of Tommy. It's to legitimize the business to a point where they can get away from all of it, the illegal side of it eventually. That seems to be it. To get him to a position of power where he is immune mm -hmm. of these kinds of situations. Where a Russian is showing up to your wedding to do God knows what, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, end of the night scene. We got Tommy and Grace holding each other. We have the Calvary leaving. We see the Russian body being taken away. We see an artist who also doesn't belong at this wedding trying to visit Polly's room. I don't understand this artist. His character just creeps me out. And um, <laughs> he's just weird as hell. And I don't understand he how he very fits. Bizarre. I don't see how he fits in this picture. Uh, we see Linda sitting in a church by herself. I want to know why. I want to know where and how far this place is from the mansion doesn't seem like the place you can get to very fast does he have I a church like, on the I, property i don't know i feel like this is a church that we've this is the church well, this that is they where were they at the married. wedding yeah yeah but how close is it to the house i mean it can't be that close she just seems to like enjoy having this manipulative hold on arthur yeah she's a very controlling person you know her personally she, she wants what she wants yeah absolutely she was just uh here for dinner last week oh yeah uh <laughs> no but i mean she 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 looks like she knows what she wants and she will do whatever she needs to get it 
Yeah, I agree. For the first time, we see Tommy in dad mode. He's uh, making love with Grace and uh, goes to get his baby. We see little baby Charlie, I think, for the second time in the episode. Looks nothing like Tommy. He's got, like, dark brown hair. Mm-hmm. Got a big old head, that baby. But anyways, we see we see Tommy in dad mode, which God help that child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we see Johnny Dog prepping a fire. I don't, I would assume that these fires are not powerful enough to like, you know, burn bones. Like it's, you know. I don't think so. No, I don't think it's hot enough for that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure it's going to help at least. I don't think there was like that kind of testing anyways back then no no i mean maybe dental records and things like that but um i don't i don't even know yeah i love the next morning scene where everybody is uh is coming out arthur has recovered from the night he looks Mm -hmm. so cool coming out the house man he's jumping out we got like this more optimistic song it's it's back to reality back to birmingham Yeah. yeah I think those were Rolls Royces or Bentleys. I think they're all Rolls Royces. Yeah? Yeah. We, John and Arthur got their own car, and Tommy and Paulie get in one together, which shows their Dang. close-knit relationship. I, I got to say, I, I would love more scenes, like Paulie directly involved in the business, like where she mm-hmm. was with the Russian refugee. I can stop calling him the Russian refugee, the freaking Russian communist. Um, <laughs> I would like more scenes like that, because we, we haven't seen Paulie too involved in the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the scene at the end that we end the episode on that kind of sets us up for the rest of the season which is Tommy and Polly going to the vault with just clothes full of cash a vault full of cash mm-hmm. and Tommy is uh, at this point he says we have more money than all those toffs put together <laughs> and Polly with like a cup with one line or two lines we get what's going to happen next or what to expect for the rest of the season. She says, and you're willing to gamble it all on one robbery. He's a gambling man, Paul. So we know that Tommy's up to something that is going to risk everything he's earned up until That's now. a lot of money in yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Dang. And that ends episode one of season three of Peaky Blinders. And I've got to say, maybe the strongest premiere episode of a season so far they've all much better than i remembered honestly they've they've all been good i will tell you that i'd have Mm -hmm. to go back and do like a season uh, an episode one rewatch of each season to confirm this but uh damn good the only one that i think that might compete eh, episode one of season one is very good too where you get the introduction of Tommy. Episode but. one, season one is great. I, I mean, honestly, I, the I second know, season was good as well. I will say this. We already watched the final season of Peaky Blinders. Episode one of the final season might be the all-timer. But <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to say anything else because that's coming out on June 10th. And by then, we should be done with season three of mm-hmm. uh, Peaky Blinders and starting our final of season four. But you can go back and listen to our episode-by-episode episode recap, which we should probably repost, Zach. Um, what do you think about that? We'll talk about that off air. Yeah, but we'll talk about it later. <laughs> let's get into the categories. I would like for people to see that so they don't think that we're just like, we're talking about season three and season six. Is We already did season six because we, we had six. to, we couldn't wait. We were impatient. We got VPNs and... And uh, I think we're outing ourselves here. I probably shouldn't say that loud. But, hey, we're supporters. Free marketing for your show. So, don't come (laughs) at us. Um, Yeah, Zach, let's go into the categories. Let's get it. Best scene. That's a tough one, honestly, for me. Because this whole episode was great. And it was all... This whole episode felt like one scene. I know. It really did. It was one big event that happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really tough, man. I can't think of one okay it was like the whole thing the whole thing as a whole felt like just one giant you know just one act you know Mm -hmm. yeah i agree with that if i had to like choose it would be the beginning portion of the wedding like before things got out of control the the, probably the no fucking fighting is the best scene of the episode (laughs) it's the most memorable that's for sure that is for sure uh 
most memorable characters in this one. I mean, this is this is a, a laundry list, but Tommy's always. It's a long one. This is a long episode. This is the long list of characters in this episode that were great. Tommy, Arthur, Polly, Michael, mm-hmm. those four. Yeah, John. Yeah, those four. I was happy to see John Boy, but he didn't like do anything particularly special other than get into fights. Yeah, I liked his moment in the stables, but that was about it. He doesn't get a lot to work with. It's you know, he doesn't get a lot to it's work true. with. He 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 it's should true. he should be more of a focal character than he is. But maybe they yeah. just don't have the time or whatever it is. He's just not as central. I guess. I mean, I, I guess the takeaway there is don't marry Esme. No, I think the takeaway there is uh, when the writer when the writers don't have <laughs> whatever's getting cleared for the episode. John's not making the list. <laughs> so let's go. The thing is, is that there's a lot of overlap between Arthur and John's characters mm-hmm. in, the, in their personality types. Yeah. So it's almost like what you're accomplishing with Arthur is you can extend it towards John in some ways, which where were John's kids in this episode? <laughs> I would love to know. I mean, I, I guess they were just partying with, uh, with uh, Charlie somewhere in, in the back. Jeez. <laughs> the mystery of John boy's kids. All right. Next one. All right. Last one. Best line of the episode. And I think ours is both the same. You can piss outside by the stables. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. No, I, there's so many, man. I was, Isaiah saying to Arthur, Arthur, this lady wants to play in the snow. <laughs> uh, Tommy, of course, in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. No fighting. Uh, I'm gonna. I mean, I could list them off. You say yours while I list off all the other ones my, in my head. Mine is... But the main thing is, you bunch of fuckers, despite the provocation from the cavalry, no fighting, boy. No fighting, no fucking fighting, no fighting, no fucking fighting. Yeah, yeah, that's the number Gotta one. love it. It's the best thing. One. I love it. Uh, also, like Paulie's line to Grace of, I haven't forgotten who you are. It's Tommy who has. <laughs> like I, I like that that's a slap know. in the face right there yeah yeah. I can't think of any others at the moment I think of any others I think those are the those are the I do, ones I do like Johnny Dog saying when they couldn't take any winnings from the gambling he says he says we'll be giving to the poor of Birmingham he says that'll be me if I don't win anything tonight <laughs> on these horses <laughs> oh, that's a good one too Alright, so we're on to episode two on the next episode of the Peaky Pod. Thank you all for tuning in. Zach, please proceed with your salutations, sir. For sure. Well, thank you for listening to season three, episode one of the Peaky Blinders podcast by Story Archives. You can find this anywhere you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at Story Archives. You can visit our website at storyarchives.themidnightexchange.com. There's a website there. Um, and that also brings us into the podcast network, The Midnight Exchange. You can visit the website at themidnightexchange.com. There's links out to other podcasts, other social media. And if you want to send us an email, drop us an email at podcast at themidnightexchange.com. Beautiful. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, stay peaky. <laughs> <laughs>